Well, God bless you. Welcome to the Wonderful Words of Life radio program. We are talking about today prophecies of the Messiah fulfilled by Jesus Christ. There are over, well over 300 Old Testament prophecies, prophetic scriptures fulfilled by the life of Jesus Christ. What is the probability that one man would fulfill all of these over 300 prophetic scriptures? What would the probability be if just eight of the prophecies concerning the Messiah was fulfilled by Jesus Christ? We're going to look into this today. Father, we bless you. We praise you. We magnify and glorify your name. Hallelujah. And Lord, we believe truth. We thank you for the truth. The truth is in your word. Now, Father, uh, we rely upon you and the power of the Holy Spirit in this session uh, to bring forth for the glory of Christ, thy word. And we give you praise for it in Jesus name. Amen and amen. So what is the probability of just eight of these prophecies concerning Jesus Christ, concerning the Messiah fulfilled by Jesus Christ? That would be one in 10 to the 17th power. That would be equal to this probability. If you took silver dollars equal to 10 of the 17th power and you lay them out, you pick up one silver dollar and you mark it with an X, place it in that huge mound and then spread all of those silver dollars over the face of the state of Texas by the time you finished those silver dollars would be two feet deep. Then you select a man and you blindfold him and you tell him you travel all over the state of Texas, wherever you want to go. But your quest is that you choose just one silver dollar out of all of those millions and trillions of silver dollars that you travel over. You are allowed to pick only one. What would the probability be of that one silver dollar that that man picks be the silver dollar that's marked with an X? Well, it would be one in 10 to the 17th power. That's the probability. That is the probability of all of these 300 plus Old Testament prophecies being fulfilled by one man and that one man being Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, the birth of Christ, him coming to this world is a miracle of God. No man can do it. No situation or circumstance could do it. No happenstance, not by accident or not by man's design, is what brought Jesus Christ to this world. Born and put and placed into the womb of a virgin? and brought forth he who is going to rule the world. We're going to look at prophecies of the Messiah fulfilled by Jesus Christ, he and he alone. Now, in Genesis chapter 3, verses 13 through 15, the scripture says this, And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that thou hast done? You've sinned. What have you done? And the woman said, the serpent beguiled me and I did eat that forbidden fruit. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, because you have done this, 
You're cursed above all cattle, above every beast of the field, upon thy belly shalt thou go. Dust you shall eat all the days of your life, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head. This seed of woman shall bruise thy head, and you shall bruise his heel. That took place on Calvary. And when Jesus rose from the dead, he rose with the keys of death and hell and forever destroyed the authority that Satan had over death and hell. And going through the book of Revelation, we realize that as the power of God increases, the power of the devil decreases. Amen. And he winds up in the lake of fire. So these prophecies concerning Jesus Christ have been fulfilled and in his second coming will be fulfilled. And when he rules as Messiah Prince throughout the Messianic age, all of these prophecies will be fulfilled concerning Jesus, the one man, the man, the man, the Lord Jesus. Genesis chapter 49, verses 8 through 10, says this, Judah, thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise. Thy hand shall be in the neck of thine enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, thou art gone up. He stooped down. He crouched as a lion, as an old lion. Who shall rouse him up? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh. Now Shiloh is an epithet of the Messiah. Until Shiloh come, Unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Now, this is a prophecy concerning the coming of the Messiah. How many Jews have born, have been born and died throughout the 12 tribes of Judah? How many Jews have been born and died throughout the entire tribe of all 12 tribes of Israel? And yet this passage of scripture describes one individual, the Messiah being born of all the tribes of Israel, of the tribe of Judah. And yet we know this is exactly the tribe that Jesus came out of. We know in the lineage of Luke, of the son of Benadab, of the son of Admon, of the son of Ram, of the son of Hezron, the son of Perez, the son of Judah. And Paul, writing to the Hebrew church, says this, For it is evident that our Lord was descended from Judah. No priest had ever come out of the tribe of Judah but one. And that priest forever is the Lord Jesus Christ. Daniel states when the birth of Jesus would be, or the birth of Messiah would be. So you are to know and understand that from the issuing of the decree to restore and build, rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, until the Messiah is born, there will be seven, seven weeks and 62 weeks. It will be built again, talking about Jerusalem, with streets and moat, even in times of distress. And we know when Messiah came, we know exactly when it was. Luke tells us, now on the days of the decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the world. 
Amen. This was the first census taking while Quirinius was governor of Syria. We know that in this census is what took Jesus and his parents from where they were living to Bethlehem, where he would be born. Spoken of throughout the scriptures concerning the very place that Messiah would be born, Bethlehem. Jeremiah wrote this. This is what the Lord says. A voice is heard in Ramah, lamenting and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted for her children because they are no more. Jeremiah 31, 15. How do we know this is fulfilled? Matthew tells us. Then when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, he became very enraged and sent men and killed all the boys who were in Bethlehem. Bethlehem, the very place where Jesus was born and all its vicinity who were two years old or under, according to the time which he had determined from the Magi. Then what happened? What had been, what had been spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. A voice was heard in Ramah weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and she refused to be comforted because they were no more. Hundreds of years before Herod was ever born, before this decree was made by him to destroy all of these children, hundreds of years before this prophecy came forth. And it speaks of the one, the Lord Jesus Christ. Deuteronomy 18:15 The Lord your God shall raise up for you a prophet like me from among you from your countrymen to whom you shall listen How is this prophecy fulfilled It's fulfilled by the ministry and by the preaching of the apostle Peter in Acts chapter 3 verses 20 and 22 and that he may send Jesus the Christ the anointed one appointed for you, whom heaven must receive until the period of restoration of all things about which God spoke by the mouths of his holy prophets from ancient times. Moses said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your countrymen. To him you shall listen regarding everything he says to you. What prophet is Peter talking about? What prophet is Moses talking about? Well, Jesus. He was a prophet, and he still is a prophet. And he's also the high priest of our faith. Jesus fulfilled all five offices of the fivefold ministry. He is apostle. He is prophet. He is evangelist. He is the shepherd, the pastor, and he is teacher. Praise God. Hallelujah. And he sent these gifts and spread these gifts upon his resurrection when he sent the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. He dispensed these gifts throughout the body of Christ. Amen. Praise God. Isaiah 61 verses 1 through 2. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord 
and the day of vengeance of our God. Well, when was this fulfilled? Jesus fulfilled this prophecy of himself at the very beginning of his ministry when he went to Nazareth to the synagogue and was beckoned to speak and to preach and to read out of the prophet Isaiah. And he found the place in Isaiah. And he said this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And Jesus stopped there. Now, the Lord Jesus omitted the last part of Isaiah's prophecy and the day of vengeance for our God. Why did he do that? Because the Lord's first coming was for the purpose of him being the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Isaiah prophecy covers both of the Lord's comings, both his first coming and also his second coming. Jesus will fulfill in his second coming the day of vengeance of our God. But that day is not now. Today's the day of salvation. Today's the day of redemption. Today is the day of God's grace and of his mercy. Hallelujah. And Paul said this, by grace you're saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. This is that day, praise God. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that God hears the prayers of sinners and grants to them to sit with him in his throne, just like he was granted to sit in his father's throne. Praise God. Hallelujah. So, sinner, you still have time. It's not too late. You haven't completely sinned away of day of grace. God will still hear your prayer today. And I say amen to that. Now, Isaiah 53, verses 3 through 5. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. We could say that last part of this passage this way. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. This is clearly speaking of the servant of Jehovah, the suffering servant of Jehovah. The Jews of the Old Testament didn't know who this Messiah was. They didn't know who this person was. But yet they did on Calvary. They understood it then. Notice what Matthew says in the fulfillment of Jesus fulfilling this prophecy of the suffering Messiah. And when the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word 
and healed all that were sick that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Now, I heard on the radio one confused theologian being bold enough to say that he thoroughly searched out Isaiah 53. And he came to the conclusion that Isaiah 53 does not cover physical healing. And so without realizing what he had said, he just called Matthew a liar. And he said that the gospel of Matthew is not inspired of God. Well, then, if Matthew is not inspired of God, then all the passages that that Matthew recorded concerning Christ evidently must uh, not be inspired of God. See, without realizing what he had said, he called the word of God and he called the God of the word. They call the Lord Jesus Christ, the Logos. He called him a liar. No, God is not a liar. Jesus is not a liar. He does not tell lies. He speaks the truth because he is the truth. What Matthew records is the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy concerning the suffering servant of Jehovah. Now, that was Matthew. But now he, he's in good company, Matthew is. Because the apostle Peter, he affirmed the same truth. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sins should live under righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. So in Peter's letter to the Jewish Christians and to us as believers in Christ Jesus, Peter states that Jesus on Calvary fulfilled both the forgiveness of our sins and the healing of our sicknesses and our diseases. So if you're listening to this broadcast today and you are in need of healing, I want you to know that healing has already been provided for you by the redemptive blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, by the fact that he died and was laid in the tomb. And then three days and three nights later, he rose from the dead. Jesus being justified, that great work, rather being vindicated by God the Father, that his act of sacrifice was worthy and accepted by him, by God the Father, in raising Jesus from the dead. Praise God. Hallelujah. Yes, you can be healed today. If you have faith to believe, you can be healed today of any sickness and any disease that you have. God has already warranted that. He's already granted that through the death, burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and affirmed that in his holy word. And I say praise God for that. Now, the prophecies of Zechariah. Zechariah is in among all of the minor prophets. He is one of the most accurate in his prophecies concerning the coming of Messiah. And we'll look at one in chapter 9 and verse 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass and upon a colt, 
the foal of an ass. And we know that in the Gospels, this was fulfilled in Jesus' triumphal entry. Mark records this in chapter 11, beginning in verse 7. And they brought the colt to Jesus and cast their garments on him. And he sat upon him. And many spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches off the trees and straw them in the way. And they that went before and they that followed cried, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Now, let me stop right there at verse nine. When they began to shout, Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. This is a declaration of the coming of Messiah. The people that were surrounding Jesus in his triumphal entry, those that welcomed him as he entered into the gates of Jerusalem, understood that this was the Messiah, the coming Messiah. Jesus had demonstrated to them in his three and a half years just exactly who he is. The problem was, is their understanding of the coming of the Messiah. They thought he would immediately restore the kingdom to Israel. He did not come to do that. He came to give his life a ransom for many. He will restore the kingdom to Israel, but not at his first coming. He will do that in his second coming and in the thousand year reign uh, called the millennium. And see, the longer he stayed in Jerusalem that week, and especially him being arrested, those who welcomed him laid down their palm branches and in their minds were saying, well, I guess we made a mistake. I guess he's not the one. Even John the Baptist in prison sent one of his disciples to Jesus to say to him, are you really he that comes or are we to look for another one? John the Baptist himself was confused. All the Jews thought that the Messiah would come and immediately restore the kingdom. No, what they didn't understand is that the age of the church would come to pass and the coming of the Holy Spirit and the church would spread throughout the world and many millions and upon millions and upon millions of people would come to Christ and receive him as Savior and Lord and be born again, filled with the Spirit and cover the face of the earth. Praise God. Aren't you glad that you're among that number? Praise God. Well, we know that this scripture was fulfilled. Blessed be the kingdom of our father, David, that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And then verse 11 says, And Jesus entered into Jerusalem and into the temple. And when he had looked around about all things, and now the eventide was come, he went out unto Bethany with the twelve. Jesus fulfilled Isaiah, Zechariah's prophecy. How did he enter into Jerusalem? He entered into Jerusalem upon a young colt. Praise God. Now, what's the prof, prof, what is the probability of this being fulfilled by one man? Well, this is what we're talking about. These improbabilities of these Old Testament prophecies are all have all become probable fulfillments and absolute fulfillments. Let me put it even further. Absolute fulfillments by Jesus Christ himself. All right, let's look at another passage of scripture in Zechariah. 
Zechariah chapter 11, verses 12 and 13. And I said unto them, if you think good, give me my price. And if not, forbear. So they weighed for my price 30 pieces of silver. Now, how can you get any more accurate than that? Verse 13. And the Lord said unto me, cast it into the potter or the potter's field or that which is the potter's field. A goodly price that I was valued at of them. And I took the 30 pieces of silver. Notice this and cast them to the potter in the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And of course, Matthew records this. Then one of the twelve called Judas Iscariot went unto the chief priests and said unto them, What will you give me? And I will deliver him unto you. And they covenanted with him for 30 pieces of silver. And also again, then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, And they took the thirty pieces of silver, the price of him that was valued, whom they of the children of Israel did value, and gave them for the potter's field as the Lord appointed me. What's the probability of this passage being fulfilled by one man? A prophecy given hundreds of years before he was ever thought of in his mother's womb. Psalm 22, verses 7 and 8. All they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head, saying, He trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. And Luke records, And the people stood beholding. And the rulers also with them derided him and mocked him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself. If he be the Christ, the chosen of God, let him come down from the cross. Amen. Once again, a psalm spoken hundreds of years before Christ ever came, fulfilled by him on the cross. And then Psalm 68, verse 18. Thou hast ascended on high. Thou hast led captivity captive. Thou hast received gifts for men, yes, for the rebellious also, that the Lord God might dwell among them. Jesus came to save. He came for the church. He's coming for the church. Amen. He's coming for sinners. If you're a sinner today listening to this broadcast, I want you to know Jesus came for you and he's coming again for you. Just be ready. Just be ready. Confess your sins right now. Repent in the name of Jesus and ask Christ to come into your heart and life. Just say by faith simply, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he will because he is a faithful and a merciful high priest. So how was this passage fulfilled? Well, Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter four, verses seven through nine. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? This prophecy affirms that not only the first coming of Jesus, but also affirms his second coming. 
And I want to go ahead and end with this. This is the prophecy of Zechariah concerning John the Baptist. And his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people. He hath raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our father and remember his holy covenant, that the oath which you swear unto our father Abraham, that he would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and in righteousness before him all the days of our life. And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And Zechariah's songs claim that God hath raised up a horn of salvation from the house of David. And he also proclaims that his own son, John, will be a voice in the wilderness concerning him. That's our voice today concerning Jesus, letting everybody know that he died, but yet he raised again and he's raised and he's raised up and sit in the father's throne. But he's coming again. Praise God. This is the great hope of the church. Amen. So if you don't know him, accept him today and he'll come for you. Amen. And redeem you and take you with him to heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.